Howdy do, trainers. It's me, Ryan, your fastest friend ever, with another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Them All was taken. So I watched the second Sonic movie. It was fun. I had a good time. It was very much full of references that um, were not in the first one. They, they definitely referenced the game a lot more, and that was fun. I won't, I won't spoil it because I know some people haven't really watched it yet, but I will say... It was a fun time, and um, I usually don't laugh out loud at movies that I watch alone, but this one actually got a surprising chuckle or two out of me, and I was definitely smiling a few times too. I definitely would have loved it a lot more if I was watching it with people and could like immediately talk about it with them afterwards, but eh, life happens. I, I didn't have anyone to go with today, so eh, it just, it just is what it is. I'm also definitely slowly getting ahead with the recording schedule. I'm actually at a really decent pace right now. So hopefully I'll be able to um, keep this up and get a decent backlog and um, just manage this in a way that does not completely burn me out as quick as it has been. I think it'll work out. I think this is um, definitely the way to handle things. This is looking good so far. I also got some fun voiceover news, but I can't really share it because I'm... Um, who knows if it'll go anywhere, and I also don't want to violate, you know, kind of verbal, polite NDAs and stuff, so maybe one day I'll get to tell you about it. That'd be cool. I would love to. Either way, it's time for us to begin our next batch of episodes, starting with... Episode 29, The Punchy Pokemon. Synopsis. Encountering a fighting-type trainer, Ash learns that he abandoned his family to become a fighting Pokemon master, all so that he can win a prestigious tournament. When his daughter tries and fails to convince her dad to come home, she asks Ash and Brock to beat her father in order to have him give up fighting and return to his family. Yeah, that's a little bit more of a wild synopsis, isn't it? We begin with a shot of a Hitmonchan, running down a road then stopping to practice its punches as a girl watches sadly from behind a tree. The Pokey crew then suddenly appear out of nowhere, marveling at this wild fighting type. Ash tries to have his Pikachu fight it, but imagining a boxing arena where he's knocked out in front of the Hitmonchan, the little mouse refuses, cowering behind Misty instead. To reassure his Pokemon, Ash teaches Pikachu his secret punch, giving the little guy boxing tips. You gotta learn the basics first. Keep your left up and jab with your right. Pika, pika. Pikachu approaches the Hitmonchan, wearing its own tiny little boxing gloves. It's adorable. Pikachu attempts to punch his opponent, but Hitmonchan just holds Pikachu at arm's length, with Pikachu's arms being too stubby to reach it. It's still adorable. Ash then tells Pikachu to use the secret rocket punch, which has Pikachu blast its boxing gloves off like rockets before somehow appearing back in them and landing a successful hit on Hitmonchan's face. Everyone initially thinks Pikachu actually won, but their excitement fades real quick when they see that Hitmonchan, at best, seems just mildly annoyed by the punch. A man then also runs up out of nowhere, scolding Hitmonchan for dropping its guard. As with most male trainer of the days, his voice is great. How many times do I have to tell you? Don't drop your guard! Jack, keep your gloves up, Hitman-chan, cause fighting smart hurts less than fighting stupid. Jack, now go knock that pipsqueak out! With the man's encouragement, Hitman-chan rushes Pikachu, delivering a star platinum level amount of punches, instantly demolishing the rat. As the man celebrates, the girl from earlier, Rebecca, runs out, begging him to come home, 
but he refuses until he wins the P1 Grand Prix Tournament and then runs off back to his gym. Brock, seeing a girl distressed, asks if he can help in any way. She asks them to beat her father for her, then leads them to his gym. While there, Brock asks what the P1 Grand Prix is, and Rebecca explains that it's a grand fighting type tournament, one which her father has been training non-stop to win, neglecting his family as a result. Brock immediately agrees to enter and beat Rebecca's father, using his Geodude, and suggests that Ash enter as well with Primeape. Ash then recalls Primeape going absolutely berserk and nearly killing Charmander, before snapping back to reality and proudly saying that Primeape would be great to enter. At the arena, Team Rocket admires the prize they'd get for winning, a fancy belt that they can sell for food. And if we sold the belt, we could go and stuff ourselves at the all-you-can-eat buffet. Unlimited food. Honey glazed ham, roast like a lamb, strawberry jam, sirloin steaks, chocolate cakes. God, that's sad. Meowth points out that they have no Pokemon to enter with, but then they notice a conveniently tall man wearing a convenient trench coat conveniently walking by with a Hitmonlee who is also conveniently a pushover that they tie up, steal the Pokemon and clothes of, then leave in the bathroom stall. You'd think he'd like have his Pokemon defend him or something, wouldn't you? But no, they just walk over and beat him up, I guess. The tournament then begins, with all of the trainers being introduced on a large boxing ring, Jesse panicking overseeing the Ash and Brock entered. And also, when I say all the trainers are introduced, I mean just the important ones. We don't care about the other guys. The first match has Ash battling an unnamed, unintroduced trainer with a Machop. Ash sends out Primeape, who instantly gets demolished by the unevolved smaller Pokemon, which then throws Primeape out of the ring. Ash dives under his monkey to break its fall, inspiring it and encouraging it to get back in the ring for its new loyalty and bond with Ash. Finally taking directions from its trainer, Primeape immediately comes back and wins the match. Next up, Brock's Geodude is against Jesse's stolen Hitmonlee. Brock turns around to shout assurances at Rebecca, and as a result, doesn't notice his Geodude get kicked flying out of the ring and into the back of his head. Brock sends Geodude back into the ring, but Hitmonlee just obliterates it with kicks. That's type advantage for you, Brock! What'd you expect? Ash worries for Geodude's safety, and Brock is conflicted about what to do. Rebecca's dad then calmly walks over saying that if Brock's a real man, he'll know when to admit defeat, convincing the former gym leader to throw in the towel, rushing over to comfort and apologize to his Pokemon. Snippets of a couple of other battles are seen, showing off six of the nine or so fighting types Gen 1 had, before Ash moves on to the finals while Rebecca's dad, whose name is Anthony by the way, takes on Team Rocket. Jesse worries that they may lose, but James assures her that Meowth and him have a plan, the two fighting types start their battle, with both of them making kind of funny noises. Hitmonchan dodges every single kick sent its way, so Meowth sticks a little tube of gloob up through the ring floor, squirting it out and causing Hitmonchan to get stuck instantly and hit with Hitmonlee's kicks. Meowth has really good glue placement aim, considering he can't see where the Mons are. As Hitmonlee is about to land one final speedy kick, Rebecca jumps in the way to take the blow, begging for them to not hurt her father's Pokemon. Her father then somehow jumps from the side of the ring to in front of her, being the one to take this speeding kick instead. 
Reminds me of that video where someone shoots someone else, but like three other people all dive in front of them and keep fighting over who gets to take the bullet. It was something like that. And this scene is exactly what the video made fun of. Glad that his daughter and Pokemon are okay, Anthony throws in the towel as well. Despite the fact that he probably would have been disqualified before that due to him and his daughter jumping into the ring. Regardless, the father and daughter make up, with Anthony vowing to return home. Misty congratulates Ash, saying that his fighting brought them back together. Now come on, give credit where credit is due. In actuality, it was Team Rocket that restored this family's bond. They were the ones that won the battle and caused both of the humans to make a heroic sacrifice that repaired their family. Ash didn't do anything. So remember, everyone listening, thank Team Rocket for repairing a broken family, not Ash. Speaking of, Team Rocket then willingly blows their cover to call Ash and his gang loser nerds. Cool, just willingly reveal that members of a renowned criminal organization are unarmed and stole the identity and Pokemon of a famed fighter in a stadium full of both people and presumably security and police, considering the size of it. But as expected, not a single person moves to stop them. They then try to give their motto, but James, still carrying Jesse on his shoulders as part of the disguise, collapses. To denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the st- Oh, I can't take it! Team Rocket, blast off at the speed of light! Surrender now! <laughs> Surrender now! Oh, prepare to- Prepare to- <laughs> uh, We're not finished! The match begins with Hitmonlee getting some kicks in, but Primeape coming in for an effective counter. Meowth then lets the other two rockets know that their next trap is ready. Have Hitmonlee jump up, then press a button and electricity will surge across the ring before the whole thing blows up! Now, I'd like to express the many problems with this plan. One, boxing rings are generally covered in rubber, which the anime has explicitly said doesn't conduct electricity. Two, while the glue could maybe be ignored by extremely negligent referees, especially after Rebecca and Anthony violate rules by jumping into the ring, which conceivably lets Team Rocket get away with that trick, there is no way a giant electric shock and then explosion would not be deemed, at the very least, a faulty match, making their plan not actually give them a win, and at worst, completely disqualify them. Despite them should have already having been disqualified after revealing that they stole a Pokemon. And also, why is Hitmonlee still listening to them? They revealed that they're not its trainer. Did it hate its original trainer so much that it decided it was better to stick by Team Rocket? Who knows? Even if it did, wouldn't it be better for Team Rocket to take the Pokemon they actually successfully stole for once and give it to their boss? Like, these are actually rare Pokemon. These fighting types are rare. And they just don't do anything with the one they successfully stole. They're like, no, we want to win the tournament. Isn't that right, Jesse? And Jesse's like, yeah, who needs giving Pokemon to the boss? We're already fired, basically. So, there is so much wrong with their plan. Like, sure, some of it could be chalked up to Team Rocket being idiots. But a lot of it is just not smart or thought through at all. Anyway, Pikachu tries to warn Ash about the scheme, but Ash dismisses him, causing the rodent to take matters into his own hands. 
When Hitmonlee jumps up on one of the ring corners, James presses the button. To no effect. The two Pokemon continue the fight, with Primate landing a decisive seismic toss and winning the championship. Anthony approaches Ash, complimenting his Primate's ability. He then offers to take it off Ash's hands for a bit, and train it to be a real P1 Grand Prix champ. Which Ash accepts! Primate is a real P1 champion! It won the championship! It's the champion! Your Pokemon lost! Ash is clearly the better trainer! Why does anyone think this is a good arrangement? I think Anthony just wants to win the championship using Primate later, dirty little sneak. Team Rocket tries to figure out why their plan failed, and Pikachu steps out from under the ring and hands the trap to Meowth, who thanks him for grabbing it. I don't know how, but Pikachu somehow set it to a delay to hit Team Rocket now instead of during the match, causing them to get electrocuted, then blow up and blast it away. We never see Hitmonlee get returned to its still tied up trainers, so only Arceus knows what happens to them. Ash bids farewell to Primeape, leaving him under Anthony's care, with Primeape looking visibly sad. The group walks away, and to this day, April 5th, 2022, the day I wrote these notes, 8,939 days later, have still yet to return to Primeape. At first glance, this appears to be a pretty standard early Pokemon episode, being the kind that in some odd way feels disconnected from the series, having its own big prestigious tournament that isn't the Pokemon League, but still being acceptable as part of the anime. But the more you take a deeper look at it, the more mildly infuriating this episode gets. I know, I know, it's an anime meant for kids, don't do this Ryan, it's bad for your health, etc, etc, but it's got to be said. I already talked about how bad Team Rocket's plan was, how bad the solution to it was, and how no one gave a single bit of concern over the fact that they were there, so I'll drop that for now. I'm just actually kind of salty that he just ditches Primeape so quickly. He catches it, and then when he finally decides to send it out and use it, immediately dumps it. Imagine what the series could have been like if he kept Primate, or at least got him back sometime down the road. Primate challenging Ash's Lucario or Greninja in training, maybe being the only thing that keeps some of the rowdier Pokemon, like Iris's Dragonite, in check, just because of its fury. Plot points where they have to deal with Primate getting overly angry, that sounds great, that sounds fun! But no, instead, it fights for one episode, finally bonds with Ash, and is left. And it would be less terrible if, say, Primeape wanted to stay and fight, but Ash, having to move on to continue his own journey, gives it to Anthony so it can stay happy. But instead of that, Ash promises to come back for it. We're okay with him releasing Pokemon like Butterfree and some of Ash's other Pokemon later, even Haunter, so it'd be okay with Primeape. But the promise of reappearance never happening makes it worse. There's a way more egregious example in the Orange Islands, but we'll get to that later. It's That one actually upsets me even more. But for now, I consider this a not great episode for a variety of reasons, all of which I think could have been improved. So anyway, after that we have episode 30, Sparks Fly for Magnemite. Synopsis. While wandering through a new city, Pikachu falls ill. Rushing him to a Pokemon Center, Nurse Joy is about to begin the simple healing procedure, when the power suddenly goes out. 
Learning that it was caused by the city's power plant, Ash and Co. rushed to fix it to help Pikachu, all while being followed by a seemingly love-struck Magnemite. The next stop for our group is the lovely industrial city of Gringy City, a location famous for its overwhelming factories, lack of people, and heavy pollution. Suddenly, Pikachu starts to wobble, seemingly ill, with no control of its electricity. As Ash gets shocked trying to help his Pokemon, a glowing eye watches from behind the building. Utilizing the rubber gloves his mom gave him in the first episode, Ash rushes his Pokemon to a Poke Center. Meowth watches the group run into the building from a little UFO submarine in the sewers, with Jesse and James angrily complaining about the smell. Meowth suits them up with diving suits filled with oxygen and air freshener, demanding that the two of them jump into the sewage and then swim inside the Pokemon Center through it. Somehow. Maybe up a toilet or something? I don't know. While the two adamantly refuse at first, Meowth persuades them by revealing that he rigged their suits to electrocute them on command, causing the rocket duo to reluctantly enter the toilet water, vowing revenge on that cat. Meanwhile, inside the Pokemon Center, Ash's group is met with a very tired and uninterested Nurse Joy. I'm sorry, but there's something really wrong with my Pikachu. <sighs> a cold. She explains that electricity coming from cheek sacks is a simple sign of an oncoming cold for electric rodent Pokemon. I know she really only meant Pikachu and maybe Raichu, but considering the amount of Pikachu clones later on, this was oddly foresightful. Nurse Joy reassures Ash that a simple night in the Pokemon Center is all that Pikachu needs. Ash then asks a question. Miss? Hmm? Excuse me, but are you by any chance the oddball in your family? Oh no, it's all my other relatives that are odd. Huh? Huh? Unknown to anyone, a group of Grimer appear from the polluted ocean, all crowding around and then into a drainage gate, making goopy, sloshy sounds as they do. A couple of employees in the water power generator then panic as the power suddenly goes out. Meowth also panics as the air pump supplying oxygen to Jesse and James also goes dead, just like those two are about to be, realizing that their air supply is gone. Nurse Joy begins to worry as well, since there are a lot of Pokemon in intensive care that now have no machine support. And by that, I mean the glass cases they're locked in aren't doing whatever magic medicine stuff this world does with Pokemon. Nurse Joy sadly says she doesn't know what to do, because I guess they never thought to give the hospital a backup generator or anything. The trio decide to run out and see if they can somehow fix the problem, but Pikachu weakly begs them not to go, with Ash assuring him that they'll be right back. Talking to an officer, Jenny, they learn that there's been no response from the power plant. They then ask her where it is, and she, either not realizing or not caring what the group clearly plans to do, directs them right to it. Just as they're about to continue on, Pikachu stumbles out of a bush, having followed Ash. Nurse Joy just really does not care about anything to let him escape. She probably also doesn't even actually care about the intensive care mons either. Fire her for negligence, please! While Ash is initially mildly upset with Pikachu, but, you know, in a concerned way, not an angry way, Misty says that Pikachu was probably scared of being abandoned. So Ash agrees to take him with them if he promises not to push himself, with glowing eyes still watching them, slightly closer now. Team Rocket, narrowly escaping death, catch their breath outside of a manhole, while Meowth remains unsympathetic to their plight and explains that the power failed. 
A power failure, is it? I can identify with failure. Huh? Meowth then sees the twerps run by, holding Pikachu, and says that they still have a chance. Changing into a nurse's outfit inexplicably for a pun that was untranslatable, and they didn't bother to change into another joke. Team Pikachu arrive at the power plant, which is absolutely deserted. Partway into the building, Misty panics as she notices something following them, but nobody believes her. Until it flies behind Ash! While the group begins to argue, Pikachu starts screaming as it's attacked by the glowing eyes stalking them, revealed to be, shocker based on the episode title, a Magnemite. The metallic Pokemon stays close to Pikachu, blushing seemingly in love with it, confusing the rest of the group immensely, while Pikachu runs away from it weakly. Ash yells at the Magnemite to leave, and it does, just as a horde of Grimer drop from the vent system. Also, I just realized while recording this that, um, how can Magnemite blush? It it's made of metal and electricity. It doesn't have blood. Eh, whatever. While the group tries their best not to accidentally insult the toxic group, a muck appears from the back of the horde and commands them to charge the trio. While running, they ram into the plant workers, who lead them to the control room. Ash angrily yells at them to fix things, gosh dang it! And the workers say, we've been trying, kid, but the water intake is clogged by the Grimer, shutting down the turbine. Brock interrupts to alert everyone that the Grimer are breaking down the door, and then the horde suddenly bursts in. The workers beg the group to use their Pokemon to help, and Ash says, Pikachu is sick, it can't do anything to help. Pikachu insists on helping anyway, and Ash says that they're the only ones who can help them. Ash, my boy... You have other Pokemon! So do Brock and Misty, two gym leaders! Just send something out! You don't need to send this sick rodent to fight a horde of sludge! You can, like, use gym-trained water Pokemon, or rock Pokemon, or Pidgeotto! Anyway, Pikachu knocks out one of them, but there are too many to handle. Before everyone is cornered, Magnemite bursts into the room, along with a group of other Magnemite and even Magneton, zapping and scattering all the Grimer away, letting the power plant come back up and running. All that now remains is one large muck, and it's Kid, as Ash says, despite there only being the muck and nothing else. Hold on! There's still one left! An adult muck! And it's child! Pikachu zaps it to not much effect, but with the Magnemite from earlier joining in the attack, Muck is knocked out and Ash manages to catch it. Unfortunately, the smell of the Muck comes out through its Pokeball, even hours later in the morning. Good news is, Pikachu is better. One of the workers explains that electric Pokemon get a little weird when they store up too much electricity, becoming magnetized and showing cold-like symptoms. The two workers knowing this when the trained Pokemon doctor declared it was just a cold further proves Joy's ineptitude. Magnemite, who is still with everybody, suddenly seems completely uninterested in Pikachu, with the workers pointing out that maybe it fell in love due to Pikachu's magnetized state, and now doesn't care about the rodent since it's normal again. Pikachu is actually pretty happy about this since Magnemite won't be stalking it anymore. A short ways off the coast, Team Rocket rises out of their Gyarados sub. The first time it's actually been officially seen in the dub, since the beach episode didn't air. Team Rocket, somehow knowing that Pikachu was magnetized, tried to steal it with a giant magnet. 
Instead, all they grab is this, like, massive, and I mean, like, actually giant ball of Magnemite and Magneton that weigh down and sink their sub, with Ash's group never even knowing they were there. Back at the Poké Center, Misty warns that the Grimer infestation shows how polluted the city is, and that it needs to be cleaned up. Officer Jenny promises to try all they can to fix the city, which they never will. I mean, we've seen it in real life. There's too much financial interest in running these polluted factories. One cop isn't going to convince government officials or business owners to change anything. It's the thought that counts, I guess. Nurse Joy also says that Ash's effort to save the Pokemon in the blackout inspired her to become a better nurse. Seriously, how did you pass med school, let alone get a job? Regardless, Ash and Co. leave the city, deciding that they really don't want to stay in this horrible place any longer. We then cut to Oak's lab, where he receives a Pokeball from Ash, excited to get a new Pokemon after all this time. His excitement quickly turns to pure disgust when he sees it's a muck, though. I think it's funny how Ash actually still has an empty slot in his party, and then just decided that he didn't want to deal with muck, so he sent it to Oak. What's the idea of sending me a muck? Yuck! This is another episode that I really don't have much to talk about. There really aren't any notable moments to point out, critique, or praise. It's just kind of an episode of Pokemon. Not good or bad, just there. One thing I guess I could mention is how it created the idea that electric Pokemon get sick when they have too much energy stored up. That's really only notable because it actually becomes a plot point later in the series when Gen 3 starts, but that's a while away, so just keep it in mind. And it's also handled completely differently than a cold, so I don't know what happened with that idea. Another thing I just thought to mention is, um, I think it's really interesting that Ash gets a muck. If you look at the series later, Ash kind of gets, like, the staple Pokemon of the series. He gets, like, a couple of the starters, maybe. Um, he gets a Lycanroc. He gets, like, Pokemon that are popular. But in Gen 1... They didn't really have popular Pokemon yet, or ones that they planned to be popular. So Ash just kind of gets this really fun smorgasbord of Pokemon. You know, he has his Krabby, he now has a Muck, um, he's got Pidgeotto just sitting to the side. Of course he has the starters, he needs all the starters just to show them off, but he kind of gets like this pretty interesting team in the early generations. So I, I just really think Muck is a fun choice for a protagonist to get, because it's not really a Pokemon you could see him getting today. So anyway, um, save the environment, kids, or else Grimer is gonna get ya, I guess. Alright, next up we've got episode 31, Dig Those Diglet. Synopsis. Following the sound of an explosion, the group comes across a construction site for a dam being terrorized by a group of Diglet. The foreman is recruiting trainers to take care of the problem, among them Ash's rival Gary. But when none of the Pokemon come out to fight the Diglett, maybe something more lies deeper with this issue. We start off with the narrator saying that several months have passed as the group wanders through a new wooded area. Once again, only pointing out because time is passing. I don't care what the anime may say later with Ash eternally being 10, but right now time is passing. He is, he is aging. Misty reminisces about all the wild places they've been, with Ash saying that the only place that matters is the next gym. 
Brock suggests going to Fuchsia Gym next, saying that it's just over the mountain, before realizing that they are surrounded by mountains and are lost again. Deciding to find a nearby road to get back on track, they all rush ahead. Elsewhere, Team Rocket is eating lunch while Meowth works out. I'm having some lovely Chinese food. It's tea and crumpets for me. Nothing for me, Meowth. I'm getting a gut. Work, Work that, that body. body. An explosion suddenly booms out in the distance, shocking Ash's group and dumping Team Rocket's food all over them. Ash's group hurries towards it out of concern, while the rockets charge the noise and anger. Arriving at the source, both groups see an army of trucks heading towards a dam under construction, parts of the earth crumbling around them. James wonders if it's an alien attack, and Jesse calls him stupid. While watching, one of the trucks falls into a hole, causing a giant pileup. Team Rocket is sad that they didn't cause the damage, and the rhythmic sound of Diglett rings out from underground. One of them pops up and has a conversation with Pikachu, with Meowth listening in. Him listening in has no bearing on the rest of the story, they just have him do it. A man then gets out of the truck, screaming at the Diglett for foiling his plans, pointing over to a group of them popping up and down from the ground all cute. The man angrily exclaims that it's because of them digging around that he can't get supplies to finish the dam, then scratches his construction helmet so hard that it breaks. The man then explains that it's called the Giva Dam, which sounds like give a damn, which is funny. The man then says that he put out a call for any talented Pokemon trainers to fix the issue, offering a luxury resort stay to anyone who can take care of the Diglett problem. Hey, didn't we just watch a water version of the same plot not that long ago? Dude, quit while you're ahead. Last time someone tried this, a large chunk of a city's population died. Just as Ash is about to timidly accept the offer, Gary and the Gary girls roll up at the head of a bus squad, proudly boasting that he's arrived! Gary notices Ash and starts mocking his skills, calling him the worst of the four trainers to leave Pallet Town, and bragging about his own superiority. Brock and Misty quickly mumble how awful Gary is. Gary asks if Ash caught any new Pokemon, and Ash offers to show them off, leading to this exchange. Only amateurs show off their Pokemon. If I were gonna show something off, it'd be my personal fan club. Gary, oh, Gary, oh, he comes through and others choke. Are they Pokemon? I would love to play the full extent of this clip because it's all amazing, but I can't have this whole podcast just be like this line section here. So instead, I'll tell you that Brock hits Ash for this insult to feminine creatures and then hits on the Gary girls, offering to take them all out sometime, and is shocked when they actually say it sounds fun and call him sir. Okay, so they think I'm an old man, but I don't care. I'm desperate. Could I have somebody's phone number, please? Maybe an address? Email? Can we please get back to the business at hand? The foreman then demands that the group actually do the thing they came to do, and Gary brags more and drives off. Brock laments not getting any phone numbers or email addresses, while Ash is insulted and becomes determined to show Gary up. Team Rocket, having overheard all this, decide to also join in the Diglett hunt, with Jesse and James affirming their camaraderie while Meowth sarcastically picks up a phone and asks to be transferred to a less embarrassing team. The foreman gives directions to the crowd of trainers, with Ash finally succumbing to Gary's insults and feeling sorry for himself. 
Due to another untranslatable joke, Jessie yells out her name at the crowd for no reason. Don't listen to Gary. You can still catch up. My name's Jessie. Look at all those punks. Each outfit is more dreadful than the last. Jessie then suggests that they also steal the Pokemon of the trainers down below. And while on board at first, James then sadly states that they'd never have a shot at stealing them with Justin Ekans in the coughing. After failing of thinking of another plan, the two come up with the idea of induced evolution. The foreman continues his directions, saying that Diglett is the greatest parasitic bug Pokemon of the century, with Gary then going, <laughs> um, actually, Diglett is the mole Pokemon. <laughs> the Diglett then rush the group, causing a bus to fall into the ground. Gary proudly says that he has it under control, kissing his Pokeball as the girls cheer before he chucks it at the Diglett. Only for his Pokemon to refuse to even come out, re-entering before even fully forming from the red laser beam, to Gary's complete shock. A Diglett then kindly brings the Pokeball back over, with Gary thanking it before remembering he should be upset. He tries to send out another Pokemon, but gets the exact same results. Gary and the rest of the trainers then throw all their Pokemon, not a single one of them coming out, as the Diglett then bring back all the balls to their trainers, all of them sheepishly thanking the ground Pokemon. Ash thinks that it's his turn to show off, but big surprise also gets the same result, with Pikachu also stepping in to try and get Ash to stop. Gary and Ash wonder what's going on, as the foreman tries to play whack-a-mole with the Diglett. Gary tries to tell him that it won't work, as Diglett can pull their heads underground at 186,282 miles per second. The speed of light. That's one fast Diglett. Gary then decides that, since the Pokemon won't come out, there's no reason to stick around, and drives off, leaving Brock phone numberless again. As the group relaxes in a hot spring later that night, Misty tries to figure out why the Pokemon didn't come out to fight, with Ash asking Pikachu, who gestures toward a group of Diglett that suddenly appear. Putting their clothes on at wildly fast speeds off camera, the group follows Pikachu and the Diglett, running past the foreman who is still trying to beat them to death with a hammer. Further in the woods, Team Rocket attempt to have their Pokemon evolve, reading that they need to have a certain amount of experience points to do so. Jesse and James then worry about their Pokemon changing personality when they evolve, since they've known the two of them for so long, and then hug their Pokemon crying. Suddenly, the tear of the Goofy Goober splashes onto the two Pokemon, triggering their evolution! Ash's group continues their chase, eventually finding an empty field that the Diglett, along with some Dugtrio, are recultivating with trees and other plants in what Brock realizes is their home. Ash's Pokedex also says that there's no info on Dugtrio, another no-info thing that I'm just calling BS on, as the group realizes that all of the mountains in the area, if not the whole world, are just gardens run by Diglett and Dugtrio, the foreman approaches them, discovering that his damn project would have destroyed these Pokemon's beautiful homes, and that's why none of the Pokemon fought to defeat the Diglett. As a result, he vows to stop the damn project, bowing his head in respect to the Diglett. Just as Ash is about to be like, well, I think we all learned a valuable lesson here today. Team Rocket shows up. Ash asks them to leave, but they refuse sending out their newly evolved Arbok and Weezing, showing them off in a grand display. 
for the first time on TV. We're proud to present our new Pokemon. Our Ekans has evolved into Arbok. Chabaka. And coughing is now wheezing. God, I love Arbok's noises. They are so good. Ash sends out his starter trio, ignoring his Pidgeotto again, and has Pikachu try to zap them. But they dodge and dive underground, with only the noise of the ground Pokemon breaking the silence. Until Team Rocket decides to sing along with it. Just as they finish the next part of the rhythmic song, a bunch of pounding noises are heard in the hole that was dug, with Arbok and Weezing being thrown, very beaten, back up top. The mole Pokemon then create a giant tidal wave of Earth, scooping the evil team up. The Rockets initially enjoy surfing on it, but then realize in horror that they're about to crash right into the dam, having it collapse around them. Jeez guys, the foreman said sorry, at least let him clean the dam project up himself. Also, Ash sent out the rest of his Pokemon for, like, no reason, and the Team Rocket Evo sadly barely got any screen time. Actually kind of a legitimate shame that they were built up to not even be any form of a challenge for the protagonists, but I guess that's part of the comedy. Eh. The foreman once again apologizes for his actions, as Ash's group finds their path to the next gym. Team Rocket also crawls out from the rubble, upset that the damn project is cancelled and their potential reward is gone. This episode is great, and for a really interesting reason. While it happens sometimes, it's not often that Gary or a character of the day are the best parts of an episode. They usually just help drive things forward, or have one or two good lines, with the focus and highlights of the episode staying with either Ash's group or Team Rocket. But this episode has both. Gary and the foreman are amazing. This episode is delightfully doofy with them at the forefront, especially Gary, whose personality is played up by, like, several more notches than it usually is. I love it. I also actually really enjoy coughing in Ekans' evolution scene. It does a really great job of showing how much Jesse and James legitimately care about their Pokemon, worried that they'd lose their friends if they evolved, but also showing us all of this in a very quick moment that doesn't tonally ruin the momentum of the episode. And just quick side note, the animation in this episode is also oddly pretty good, like especially the scene when they're in the hot tub, just the running water for some reason looks really nice. I actually, before re-watching this series, had the faintest of memories of this episode, just like a little snippet of a guy whacking a diglet. Considering I saw this episode maybe once or even twice at most, the staying power and enjoyability of this episode is strong, even for a kid that isn't experiencing nostalgia yet. While this may be an underappreciated episode by some people, I still enjoy it a lot and would recommend people watch this one. Don't skip it. It's, it's actually a good one. And next up is episode 32, The Ninja Poker Showdown. Synopsis. Finding a large mansion in the middle of nowhere, the group go in and ask for directions. Unfortunately for them, the mansion is full of dangerous traps, later revealed to be set by the ninja Aya and her brother, the fuchsia gym leader Koga, whom Ash must battle for not only the badge, but also the right to leave the building unharmed. 
So a couple things to note here. Um, one, outside of the Beauty and the Beach episode, which was dubbed later, this episode is actually Maddie Blaustein's first time dubbing Neo. Since I believe I said she was the one voicing him in an earlier episode, I would like to correct that and apologize for that mistake. Second, despite this being the Fuchsia Gym, the group never actually explicitly arrives in Fuchsia City. It's actually not until a Gen 3 episode that the city is finally shown for the first time in the anime. We start with the group popping their heads out of a bush, trying to locate the Fuchsia Gym, Ash's next badge-earning destination. But as always, they are lost! While stopping to rest, Misty gently scolds Psyduck for drinking cold water, which would make its headache worse. She then makes this zinger. Sometimes I just look at that Psyduck face and I get a headache. Noticing Brock thoroughly enjoying his new Vulpix, Misty offers to trade him Psyduck for it, but Brock declines. As the group finally presses onward again, a Venonat watches from the trees. We then cut to the trio trying to cross a small log bridge across a cliff, with Ash crawling along it on his hands and feet, while Misty and Brock just stand on two feet and watch him. Pikachu then points out a giant mansion close by, and the scene fades to the group standing in front of it, wondering why it exists in the middle of nowhere. They then enter, planning to ask for directions to the gym as the Venonat continues to watch them. Walking right into the house without even knocking, the group are surprised to find it seemingly deserted. Oh god, it's another dollhouse! Run, Sabrina's back! As they call out for anyone that lives there, Misty leans on the wall and it rotates with her falling in, kind of like Scooby-Doo style. Brock investigates and points out that it spins, finding Misty in pain on the ground behind it. As they discuss what's going on, the Venonat finally approaches the group, and then immediately walks away, seemingly luring them deeper inside. The group runs after the bug, but Ash is quickly stopped in his tracks as he's electrocuted. Initially thinking it was and yelling at Pikachu, Brock then points out that a Voltorb is peeking out of a hole in the floor, and it was the one who zapped Ash when he stepped on it. Continuing to chase after Venonat, Ash then runs into an invisible glass wall. Trying to turn back, the group slams into another one, and they realize they're trapped, worrying that whoever did this is going to steal their Pokemon. Brock especially panics over Vulpix, and not the Onyx he's had since he was a young child. Poor Onyx. Ash tries to remain calm and look for an exit, hopping up to look out a nearby window. The wall then suddenly falls forward with Ash clinging to it, seemingly dumping him down a sheer drop, to the distress and sadness of his friends. But he's just fine, having managed to catch himself on the edge of the panel that fell. Misty and Brock somehow help him up off screen, despite him being way out of arm's reach, and the group tries to figure out their next course of action. A hidden door across from the falling wall then opens, with a Venonat revealing itself. Ash angrily charges it, following it into the room, but as the door closes behind him, some shuriken fly out and impale him against the door. Brock and Misty rush in after him, and don't see their friend at first. But the door spins around one more time, revealing Ash stuck to the door by his clothes, weakly begging for help down. A woman in a pink ninja outfit then suddenly jumps down from the ceiling, laughing, and giving a cool introduction speech. Which Misty then ruins. Born in darkness, living in darkness, such is the fate of the ninja. I am Aya, ninja warrior. But don't you think that color is a little bright for a ninja? I don't need your fashion report. 
while Misty and Ash yell at Aya, Broxy female, talk female, get rejected by female. Standard stuff. Aya explains that they've entered ninja training grounds, and that due to the group's sloppiness in navigating it, refuses to let them leave until they have a battle with her. Ash accepts, and then embarrassedly asks to be let down first. In a one-Pokemon-only battle, Aya chooses the Venonat that's been tormenting the group, while Ash chooses his Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur tries to tackle, but the Venonat dodges and uses Stun Spore. Due to what is most likely a translation error, Ash tells Bulbasaur to use Whirlwind, a move that it cannot learn. It just blows a gust of air from its mouth, blowing the Stun Spore away. Man, if only it was that easy in the games. Bulbasaur tries to vine whip it, but the bug keeps dodging, then uses Psybeam on the grass type. While momentarily dazed, Bulbasaur recovers and uses Leech Seed on Venonat, draining its energy and winning the battle. Just as Ash is celebrating his victory, a Voltorb rolls into the room, exploding in a cloud of smoke. As it clears, a man is suddenly standing behind Aya, who she kneels and apologizes to, calling him brother. Brock then jumps right in. Is your Aya's older brother? My name is Brock. You sure have a very nice sister. It's a pleasure to meet you. This is no time to kiss up, Brock! The man makes the same threat. No one can leave until they battle him. He then explains that he is Koga, and the building is actually the Fuchsia Gym. Ash could not be happier to hear this information. Outside, across the canyon stream Ash almost fell into, Team Rocket spies on the gym. James says that it looks like a Chinese restaurant. Maybe as a stand-in for Johto or something. I don't know, that's my headcanon. Jesse then comments that it's full of poison Pokemon they can steal. Yeah, three of them. Two of them the same species. Gonna be a real good haul today, lads! Poisonous Pokemon are positively perfect for perfidious people like us. What does that mean? It means beautiful things can be painful. Ow, that hurt! Let's go! Back inside, Koga and Ash begin their battle for the badge, with Ash choosing Pidgeotto against Koga's own Venonat. However, after Koga brags about his Pokemon's experience, it immediately evolves into a Venomoth. I still really like to imagine that him and Sabrina didn't expect their Pokemon to evolve at the start of the battle, and they just play it off like they meant for it to happen. Or they knew that it would happen and just really wanted to put on a little show. Either way, both are entertaining. Brock thinks that it's some kind of metamorphosis attack, with Misty being like, No you idiot Pokemon breeder, it evolved! Venomoth uses Stun Spore, so Ash has Pidgeotto use Whirlwind to blow it away. Despite its best efforts, the spores push through the whirlwind and hit the bird. Huh, gee Ash, maybe you should have used Pidgeotto more, huh? Giving it some more experience points, maybe. Or maybe you would have had better luck with Bulbasaur's whirlwind instead, ooh. Venomoth then uses Sleep Powder, knocking Pidgeotto out. Ash retaliates with Charmander, who is able to flamethrower the stun spore before it impacts. However... Before their battle can continue, the ceiling collapses as a large curtain falls through it. It slowly opens, revealing Team Rocket holding two umbrellas in front of their bodies. They then perform a kabuki show, complete with giant wigs and well-done makeup. Impressive, considering it was just the three of them putting this together. Ha! 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 Make it double! Ha! Ha! 
After struggling to move and then falling on top of Meowth due to their costumes, Jesse and James quickly change out of them and send out Arbok and Weezing. Ash, Koga, and Aya team up, having Charmander and the Veno duo charge the rockets. James then shoots some kind of webbing from his hand, like Spider-Man, causing all of the Pokemon to get stuck in it. Jesse does the same thing to Pikachu when the rodent tries to attack them next. Misty tries to send out her Starmie, but Psyduck is sent out by mistake. She then annoyedly tries to send out Staryu, but Psyduck jumps in front of her to her ire. She then reluctantly tells Psyduck that it can fight if it really wants to, but it just waddles over and hugs her leg instead. Trying her best not to completely explode and beat this Pokemon to death, she asks what moves Psyduck knows, with Ash pulling off the list on his Pokedex. She first has Psyduck try Tail Whip, but it just wiggles its little tail feathers around and blushes cutely, ooh-woo. Next, it tries to scratch Arbok, but instead somehow has its head nomphed by it instead. Arbok isn't biting it, just kind of like lightly wrapping its mouth around the duck. Psyduck then panics and runs around. Team Rocket stares in disbelief during all this, not even trying to grab the Pokemon in this game. Koga then decides to stop this embarrassment and pull a lever, dropping a bunch of Voltorb into the room. Jesse webs all of them as well, pulling them closer, with Meowth holding one right up to his face. James, being the only one to know what they are, panics just as the one Meowth has explodes, filling the room with smoke. Using the opportunity, the Poke Crew, Koga, and Aya free their Pokemon and escape the room. Inside the room they run to, Brock is surprised to notice that everything is slanted. Koga explaining that it's to confuse enemies. What enemies? You're in a publicly sanctioned Pokemon League gym. Pikachu and Charmander are unable to get the webbing off, and are also unable to use their attacks as a result. Before they can think of a plan, the Team Rocket trio break down the wall, holding all the Voltorb in a sack on their back. They are also confused about the slant. For some reason, I seem to be losing my Liquiebrium. <laughs> Meowth then rolls a Voltorb into the room, filling it with smoke which then slowly clears, Team Rocket having not used the opportunity to do anything. Psyduck, however, begins to panic and run back and forth between the groups. Misty tries to call it back, but keeps missing with her Pokeball laser. And Meowth, also getting annoyed with it, shoves it. And then when James tries to pick it up, kicks it back towards Misty. God, Meowth, calm down. It's like you hate ducks. Psyduck's headache reaching its peak, Misty walks over to pick it up but is surprised to see it suddenly stop and go quiet. The duck then unleashes a disable wave at Team Rocket to freeze them in place, following it up with confusion to knock them around, causing them to lose the Voltor bag and then launch out of the building into the distance. It ends its psychic rampage by somehow melting the webbing off the ensnared Pokemon. Don't ask me how, it just does. Ash checks his Pokedex, and the group learns that its headaches allow it to use its power. Koga and Aya approach Misty, complimenting her Psydex display. The two even offer to trade their Venonat and Venomoth for it, but Misty proudly declines the offer, having developed an affection for her new Pokemon. Continuing the gym battle outside, Koga sends out Golbat against Charmander. Golbat initially tries to use Wing Attack, but Charmander keeps it at a distance with Ember. Golbat then attacks back with Screech, causing everyone to cover their ears in pain. Charmander fights through the noise, launching a flamethrower, which accidentally hits Brock. Why does this keep happening to him? What did Brock do to piss off Charmander? 
Golbat is eventually hit with the flame, and Charmander then lands a fire spin for the finishing blow, knocking Golbat out. Koga humbly congratulates Ash for his victory, and thanks Psyduck again for saving the gym, awarding Ash the Soul Badge for his second legitimately earned badge. A Soul Badge! Koga and Aya vow to train even further, as Ash hops around happily in front of them. As they begin walking to their next destination, the episode ends with Misty warning Psyduck to not let its success go to its head. <laughs> hey, got him! Man, a lot happened in this episode, huh? We had a mansion maze, a battle with a trainer, a battle with a gym leader, an evolution, a team rocket attack, another team rocket attack, Psyduck being useful, and then another gym battle. All in the span of like 20 minutes. And none of it really feels rushed either. Each part takes its time to do what it wants to accomplish. It's really impressive, honestly. Despite that, I think I'd place this episode slightly above mid-tier. While they did a good job doing what they wanted to, what they wanted to do wasn't super extraordinary. As a result, this is another episode that I can't really say much about as a wrap-up, describing it being as much of a review as I can give it. But just know that it's a decent one. You won't be upset you watched it, but you won't be super glad either. But I say, watch it anyway. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, might as well watch the episodes. That'd be fun, right? You should, you should totally do that, yeah. Hey, whoa, guys, it's me, Intro Ryan, back again, here to say, wow, those were quite some episodes, weren't they? <laughs> anyway, um, thank you again for listening. It means a lot to me. I love seeing people appreciating this show that I put a lot of time and effort into. And if you are new to this and you enjoyed what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you click that little subscribe or follow or whatever button it says on whatever you're listening to. It would mean a lot to me. I also started a Twitter account for this podcast. It's um, at WannaVary because Twitter somehow shortened it to the middle words. I don't know what the heck Twitter did. It just kind of did what it wanted with that username. But regardless, it's at WannaVary. And you can follow that for updates on the show that I will 100% remember to do. Otherwise, um, have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever it is, just have a good one. Bye-bye!